Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Welcome to week three, 40 days in the word. We've got lots to go over this morning, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Has the thought, I just never seem to get anything out of the Bible, ever crossed your mind before? I would think this thought has crossed every one of our minds at some point in our lives. And there's a really good reason for it. If you've been in the last two services or part of our Wednesday night table study groups, you should be of the understanding that this is more than just a book with words on the pages. It is the living word of God. It is Holy Spirit inspired. It is God breathed. In the book of John, chapter one, verse one through three, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word is referring to who? Jesus. Another title for Jesus is the word. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are as connected as the Bible and the Holy Spirit are. You can read the entire Bible cover to cover and never get anything out of it. Why? Because it requires the Holy Spirit to bring clarity and meaning and understanding to your heart and mind as you navigate the words on the pages. This process is called illumination. What does illumination mean? It's simple. It means to bring light to something. You need God, the Holy Spirit, to shed light on the scriptures so that you're able to truly see and understand what he wants you to. I'm in the process of renovating a room in our basement, which is going to be the music room in our house. It's where me and the kids will be able to learn how to play, write, and record music. The only problem is the walls were dark browny purple. The ceiling was sort of a a beige creamy color and the light fixture gives off a dull and soft light. In other words, it's a dark room. It's in the basement, it's dark. So what am I doing with it? I'm painting it. I'm going to put a new light fixture in it with a dimmer option because sometimes it is nice to have dim music when you're working with music, but I want it to be a bright room, a fun space for the kids to learn how to play. So I'm replacing even all the plugs because all the plugs and and, and even the uh, light switch was like this yellowy kind of blah color. I'm replacing them all with the bright white and I'm putting in a new light fixture. Light brings clarity. The more light, the clearer you can see. This is why when you're getting your picture taken, you don't want a super bright light on you. You want a soft light. Because with the bright light, you're going to see every malformation, every blemish, every wart, every pimple, everything on your face. No, you actually want less light in this case. Everybody looks good in the dark. (laughs) My mom... My mom used to say this to us, me and my brothers. Oh, that's a face only a mother could love. (laughs) I love you too, mom. 
The more light you have, the more things are clear. This is true when it comes to God's word. The more light, the more enlightened your mind, the more illuminated your mind, the more you're going to get out of God's word. It's not just the Bible, it's illumination. Illumination is letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Have any parents here ever spent Christmas Eve frantically trying to assemble some gift for your kids? Eventually you come to the realization that you're in over your head, right? You're kind of in denial at first, but eventually you realize it's near impossible just to get the darn thing out of the package. They've got it screwed and bolted and zip-tied to the box to keep people from stealing. But when you finally do get it put together and it's like 3 a.m. and the big moment has arrived, you reach out your hand to push the on switch. And as you're moving, time sort of slows down. There's this little voice in the back of your mind that says, you put, put in all this time and suffering to get this thing put together. What if it doesn't work? You push that voice out and think, of course it's going to work. I put all this time and suffering to put this thing together. Now these thoughts all happen at hyperspeed within a second or two. As I said, time slows down. You push the switch and the phone rings. (laughs) That was good timing. That was good. You push the switch and click. (laughs) Okay, okay, it just didn't start this time. You turn it back off and back on again. Click, click, your heart sinks. You happen to gaze over at the mangled neon-colored cardboard package on the floor, and what does it say? You nailed it. Batteries not included. The next hour or two consists of you trying to scrounge up enough batteries just to get this thing to turn on on Christmas morning. You're searching under the couch. You're sifting through that drawer of random objects that everybody has in their house. You know what I'm talking about. You got that one drawer. You scavenge them out of the TV remotes wherever you can get them. All that to say, that's what reading the Bible is like without illumination of the Holy Spirit. Batteries not included. Nothing clicks. It doesn't turn on. And God says, hey, Here's your biblical batteries. I've given you revelation and I've given you inspiration. That's the power to interpret, to understand, to see things as you've never seen them before. This is the job, as I said, of the Holy Spirit. So let me show you some verses. The book of John, chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He's gonna, he says he's going to teach you and remind you. What have I said to you? The Bible. Jesus' word is the Bible. That's what God has said to us, what Jesus said to us. And the Holy Spirit will remind us of the scripture we've read when we need it most. John chapter 14, verse 17 says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who leads you to understand what the truth is in the word of God. John 16, verse 15. The Spirit will take from what is mine, that is the words of Jesus, and make it known to you. It is the illumination of the revelation. 
It is God's spirit saying this is what it means in your mind as you read it and he makes it known to you. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one verse 17 says, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. This is the batteries included. This is the power part of Revelation. This book is supernatural. Not only in that it's God's word, but this is the only book you'll ever have where you can talk to the author while you're reading it. Isn't that kind of cool to think about? You can actually talk to the author while you're reading it. Illumination. As I read this book, I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? What does it mean to me? How can it make a difference in my life? How am I supposed to use this today? And the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear, he puts thoughts, he puts impressions, he opens my eyes. He illuminates, he enlightens. The light goes on in my, in my mind. Oh, that's what that's all about. How many of you guys have read like the same verse a thousand times and then all of a sudden one day you're like, I get it. <laughs> so how does this work? How exactly does illumination work? Well, Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 and 19 explains it like this. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart, we sang that song this morning on purpose, may be enlightened or illuminated in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. When we're born, how many senses are we born with? Five senses, right? We learned that in elementary school. <clears throat> Sight, taste, touch, hearing, smell, and hockey. Hockey sense is important, ask Coach Mark. Five senses. These are all physical senses. When you're spiritually, re spiritually reborn, or born again as we call it, when, you, when you're saved or receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you get a new set of senses, spiritual senses. You get spiritual ears, you begin to hear things that you've never heard before, you get spiritual eyes, you begin to see things that you've never seen before and you start to feel things that you've never felt before. This is what we mean when we sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Give me spiritual eyes to see. What it means is when you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden, one day, as I said, that light bulb comes on in your mind, you go, bam, I've never seen this before. It's the aha moment. You go, whoa, I've read this verse a lot of times and never seen it this way before. That's exactly what I needed. That's exactly what I needed today, right now, to encourage me, to help me to know which way to go. This is illumination. This is the one scenario where batteries are included. This is when the word of God comes alive in your life. So we've discussed what it means to have your spiritual eyes open while receiving God's word. Let's look at the results that will follow. When I see things as God wants me to see them through illumination, number one, I see the solution to my problem. Anybody here got a problem today? I've got several. 
In the story of Abraham and Sarah, God had promised them a son who from him would come the nation of Israel. He just didn't say when they would have this son. Guess what? Abraham was in his 90s and Sarah wasn't that far off. Still no son. Sarah said, this is a big problemo. So she came up with a plan B. Sarah had a servant woman named Hagar. Whenever I hear that name, I always think of that comic strip, Hagar the Horrible. But apparently this was a lady, not a big, gruff Viking. So Hagar is a lady, and, she's, and Sarah says to Abraham, Abraham, why don't you take Hagar, and she'll be a surrogate mother, and you'll have a baby through her. Abraham's response, okay, great idea. So Hagar gets pregnant with Abraham's son, and they name him Ishmael. Abraham holds him up to the Lord and says, God, you've given me the promised boy. God says, uh-uh. This isn't my plan. This is Sarah's plan. Now, I love Ishmael, and I'm going to make him a great nation too, but he's not the promised miracle boy. History tells us that the Arab nations actually came out of Ishmael. Anyhow, Sarah eventually begins to get jealous of Hagar because she still doesn't have a son and Hagar has a son. So she does what any normal person would do. She and Abraham send them packing into the desert with only a few supplies. The water runs out and they are facing imminent death. Hagar places Ishmael under a bush. This would be so heartbreaking. To leave him to die as she can't bear to see it happens, as she is also dying. So the boy is crying, Hagar is also sobbing, when all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, Hagar, the Lord has heard you crying. Don't worry, he's going to make a great nation out of him. We pick it up in Genesis 21 verse 19. It says, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin. They had animal skins that they would drink out of back then with water and gave the boy a drink. Here's the point. She had the solution right in front of her. The well of water was right in front of her, but she couldn't see it until God opened her eyes, illuminated her mind, and helped her to see from a different perspective. So what problem are you dealing with in your life right now? You know the kind of problem that seems hopeless. The kind that you can't see any way around. You can't see a solution. Guess what? You need to have your mind illuminated. To have the Holy Spirit give you spiritual eyes as you sift through God's word to find a solution. Because the solution is right there. But you won't be able to figure it out on your own. Think about it. If you could figure it out on your own, wouldn't you have done that already? The second benefit to having your, your eyes spiritually opened is, I see the barrier to my progress. Have you ever tried to do something like over and over again or attempted to start something and it's like there's this invisible wall that you just keep bumping into every step of the way? Like some goal or dream that you're attempting to accomplish Maybe you're trying to start a business or start a family or get out of debt. 
and you find yourself saying, I, I don't get it. I'm trying the best I can. I just can't seem to make any progress. You need to have your eyes opened. You need to have your eyes illuminated by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep ragging on that point this morning, illumination. The story that gives a, a good example of this is Numbers uh, chapter 22, is in Numbers chapter 22. Uh, it's the story of a guy named Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God, but he decided and agreed to help the bad guys. And God was unimpressed, to say the least. He goes, wait a minute, Balaam. You're supposed to be my representative, and you're going to go help the bad guys? So as Balaam starts on his journey to go help these bad guys, God puts an angel in his pathway and blocks his progress. Only Balaam can't see the angel. So he doesn't even know what's going on. His barrier to his progress was invisible. He could not see it. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 22 says, But God was furious that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. Balaam's donkey suddenly saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand. So in other words, the donkey could see him, but Balaam still couldn't. And the donkey bolted off the road into, into a field, but Balaam beat the donkey and turned it back on the road. So Balaam gets angry and beats the donkey. It's not the donkey's fault. He can see what's out there. He's not your average dumb donkey. He's kind of a smart ass. <laughs> Where's my drummer when I need him? <laughs> so, the second time, it says the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. It's very narrow, and the angel of the Lord stood right in the middle. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing there, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. Any of you ever had your foot crushed by a horse? or it, Yeah, painful. Not that I have ever done it, but I would assume that it's painful. We always get hurt when we try to do something that God doesn't want us to do. Balaam doesn't see what's going on. He looks at the donkey. Why did you do that? Why did you run into the wall and break my foot? So, Scripture says, Balaam beat the donkey again. He's angry. The third time. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place so narrow that the donkey could not get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. Smart donkey. He's saying, I give up, and just collapsed and gives up. In a fit of rage, the Bible says, Balaam beat it again with his staff. We pick up the story in your outline in verse 31. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. That's illumination. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So what does Balaam do now that his eyes are opened? He changed his mind. He bowed low and fell face down and he worshipped God. 
Very interesting story. But here's the point. You have plans in your life that aren't working out. You try to go this way, you get blocked. You try to go that way, you get blocked. And you're getting mad at everybody else. You're mad at your wife, you're mad at your husband, you're beating your donkey, you're taking it out on your kids, you're mad at everybody because you can't see what the real problem is. When your progress is being blocked, you've got one of two choices. You can either get mad at everyone around you and spiritually vomit on them and take it out on your kids or your husband or your wife, or you can allow God to illuminate and open your eyes. Because the problem is you can't see the problem. You need your eyes opened. When God does this, you'll find yourself going, oh, oh, this makes sense. Because if God is putting barriers up in your way, it's because he knows you're walking into a mistake. He loves you too much to allow you to do that. So the third benefit of illumination is I see the defense for what's attacking me. I see how God's going to protect me from the things that are attacking me. Have you ever felt attacked before? There are many attacks that happen in our lives. Maybe you're physically under attack with an illness or an ailment. Maybe you're under attack financially. Maybe you've lost a job or income. Maybe you're under attack by some old friends or family members. Maybe you're under attack by your own thoughts and fears. Regardless of what you're under attack by, God is there every step of the way, and he plans to defend you. You just need, you guessed it, illumination. Second Kings verse 6. It's the story of Elisha and the Arameans. Arameans, sorry. In the Old Testament, there was a nation called Aram. The nation of Aram was always at war with Israel. Always. But every time, this is cool, every time they would attack Israel, God would tell Elisha, who was the prophet of of God in Israel at that time, what the king of Aram's war plans were in advance. So Elisha would go tell the king of Israel each time, and each time the king of Israel would kick the king of Aram to the curb. He'd say, okay, he's going to be out at this time in this location. Uh, This is what I suggest to go do. So Israel's winning time after time after time. Now this gets very old to the king of Aram. He goes, I can't win. No matter what brilliant battle plan I come up with, somebody's finding out. So he thinks there's a traitor amongst his own people who's sharing the secrets. And he goes, we've got to plug this leak. So in verse 10 of 2 Kings chapter 6, it says, this happened several times, so the king of Aram became very upset over it. He called in his officers and he demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel, even, bef- even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. The king said, you go find where Elijah is, and we're going to send troops to seize him. The report came back, Elijah is in Dothan, 
So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army, a, a great, great army, with many chariots and horses to surround the city for one guy. When Elijah's servant got up early the next morning and went outside, he saw the city surrounded by troops, by chariots, and by horses. So he runs back and he tells Elijah, he says, what do we do now? He cried out to Elijah. Elijah replied, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. The servant's going, bro, what have you been smoking? There's only two of us. In verse 17 in your outline, it says, Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked out and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is the angel army that he did not see from a physical standpoint. But he sees it now and he's not afraid anymore. Did you know that you always have angels around you protecting you? Anyway. Elijah asked the Lord to close the, en the enemy army's eyes. So he, his servants is open. He asked the Lord, okay, close their eyes so that they don't recognize him. Israel ends up capturing them. Then they let them go in peace. And Aram never attacked Israel ever again. That's just the nutshell version. Here's the point. You got two things. Sorry, you've got things that are attacking you right now. And you're going to panic about it. You're going to feel overwhelmed. It's the thought that there's a whole lot more against me and I'm just me. I'm just one person. God needs to open your eyes to see all the resources on your side that he has commanded to take care of you. As I said, there are angels around you all the time. You cannot see them, but they are there. God's forces are there to protect you. God says, when I see from his viewpoint, I can see the defenses, and all of a sudden, my fear goes down dramatically. The fourth story, the fourth benefit of being able to see with spiritual eyes and having my mind illuminated is, I see how God is walking with me. When God opens my eyes, I see how he's walking right beside me. He's been with me all along, I just didn't see it. It's kind of like, this is how I describe it to people. You don't see it until you look back, like a week or a month or two months or a year, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, God was there. Oh, there, there's where God's hand was. Oh, there's where he was working. It's pretty incredible. You may feel like God is far away from, from you right now, like he's too busy to be concerning himself with you, and that you're all alone but you're dead wrong. You just need illumination. In Luke chapter 24, there's a story that took place on the, on the day of Jesus' resurrection. So 72 hours after he had been whipped, tortured, and crucified, it's Easter morning. All of his disciples are completely devastated. They're all heartbroken. They're all just straight up broken. The man they believe to be God in the flesh is dead. And now the people who killed him are probably trying to find them to kill them too. Then they caught rumor 
that there was no body in Jesus' tomb anymore. So they're trying to make sense out of it all, but can't. We pick up the story where two of them are walking down a road, talking, talking it out, and a man comes up and begins walking along with them. It starts in verse 15 of Luke chapter 24. It says, suddenly, this is cool, Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was. Because God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus said, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you so concerned about? They stopped short, sadness written on their faces, and Cleopas said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. Jesus said, what things? As if he didn't know they happened to him, right? And the, and the disciples said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all happened three days ago, they continued. But then, some women were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the woman had said. So they're all confused. They're trying to make sense of it all. They haven't seen Jesus, even though he's walking right there with him. They just haven't seen him yet. Yet. This is funny. Then Jesus said, you are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, which is the Old Testament, explaining what all the scriptures said about him. So as I said, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you can't separate them. This is Jesus now speaking to them the word of God. So guess what's happening in their minds? It's being open. They're beginning to see things because the Holy Spirit is speaking it to them. Jesus himself is speaking it to them. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have, sorry, Jesus would have gone on, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, Jesus took a small loaf of bread, just like he did at the Last Supper, asked God's blessing on it, just like he did at the Last Supper, broke it, and gave it to them. Verse 31 says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. What? Could you imagine? This guy you've been hanging out with all day, walking, talking, sat down to eat, all of a sudden you're like, it's you. Boom, disappears. That would be insane. Now, I don't know what you've lost this last year, you may have lost a loved one. 
You may have lost your health. You may have lost a job. You may have lost an important relationship or a big deal. And you are grieving. And you cannot see that every step of the way, Jesus has been walking with you. You've never been alone. You've never been by yourself. God is with you walking, but your eyes are blinded. You can't see him. Now I'm hoping that by now you realize how important illumination is. Batteries included. Without illumination, you just look at the book and a lot of it, maybe most of it, maybe all of it, doesn't make sense. It's just words on a page. Yeah, it's a great story. But when God opens your eyes, that's when you begin to see the solution to your problems. You begin to see the barrier to your progress. You see the protection that God has from all the things that are attacking you. And you see how he's with you all the time, every step of the way. So how do I get this illumination going in my life? Well, we're going to go over five steps in closing. They're quick steps that will guide you in this. Number one, if I want illumination in my life, I must begin a relationship with Jesus. If you haven't done this, you'll never get anything out of the word of God because you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. This is the starting point for any Christian. It's called being born again. It's what makes a Christian a Christian. You've got to start a relationship with Jesus. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're blind. You only see things from, from a human standpoint. It's not your fault, it's just the way it is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the spirit, which means you're not born again, does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This is why it's nonsense to expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. You can make all the laws in the world to make people act and do the right thing, but they're not going to do it because it doesn't make sense. My eyes are blinded until I have a connection with God. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God. You can't see what God's doing until he is born again. So, if you're not born again, we'll give you that opportunity at the end of the service to make that decision, and you can begin your journey of illumination. So number two, I must ask God in faith to open my eyes. You can pray last week's memory verse. Do you guys remember what that was? Did you memorize it? Psalm 119 verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. This is why we had you memorize this verse. Because we want you to be able to pray it every day when you open up your Bible. It's the first thing you should pray. Before you even read you need batteries included. 
You need the illumination, and you need to say, Lord, before I even read this, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, in your word. In doing this, you can, ex- you can expect the Bible to come to life and not seem dull, because your eyes will be open. How do I know this will be the case? Because God promises it in his word. God can't lie. It's impossible. And everything he promises comes to pass. Check out Matthew verse seven, chapter 7, verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Pretty simple. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It doesn't say sometimes or maybe. It says it will. Ask, seek, knock. The first word is ask. He's saying you just need to ask. Then in Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. But you've got to ask in faith for God to open your eyes. Number three, I must come with a humble attitude. If you approach the word of God and go, I've, I've got this all figured out. I don't really need God's help in this marriage issue or I don't really need God's help in this financial issue then you're not going to get anything. Your eyes are going to be closed. You must come with a humble attitude. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Then in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That one's for me this week. I need that one. He'll point you on the path to success. You just admit, you're God and I'm not. I'm willing to do things your way. I ask God in faith to open my eyes. I come with a humble attitude And number four, I cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. I cannot get my eyes open if my body and my mind are full of junk. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter five, verse eight, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. See, they will see him. You can't see him unless your heart is pure. What do I mean by pure? Do I mean perfection? No. I mean you're you're up to date with your confession of your sin to God. You've acknowledged that you've committed a sin or sins and you confess it to God. God, I did this. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me to be better. Help me to do better. Change my heart on this. How can I expect God to illuminate my mind if I've allowed the garbage to pile up? If I'm over here watching pornography and listening to garbage music with degenerate garbage lyrics, it's filling my mind and dulling my spiritual senses to God. I won't be able to see what he wants me to see. So there was two words there. There was sin and conflict. Cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. 1 John 2.11 says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and he walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has 
blinded him. Can't see. No illumination. God is literally saying, if you have hatred for someone in your heart, you will not experience illumination. In fact, you'll be wandering around in the opposite, which is darkness. You cannot love God and hate other people. It doesn't work that way. When you, when you hate others, you are actually also hating God and yourself. You don't hold a grudge. A grudge holds you. So who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to let off the hook for something they did to you? And why should you? Because they deserve it? No. It's so that you can walk in freedom. So that you can experience illumination. You say, well, Brent, I don't think I can forgive that person. You have no idea what they did to me. Yes, you can. God is able to help you with that. He can give you the power and the ability to do it. You can't do it on your own for sure, but with God you can. Are you willing to surrender your grudge, your bitterness, your hatred to him? That's what it takes. There's not the switch that you just turn it off. Oh, I, I just stop hating that person. <laughs> you need to surrender it to God. He'll replace it with freedom, grace, and a lightness that you've never experienced before. Best of all, he'll be able to illuminate your mind and your heart. So I ask God to open my eyes, come with a humble attitude, and cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. And number five, I commit in advance to do what God says. Easier said than done. I, could, I commit in advance to do what God says. This is unqualified, unconditional obedience. I say, God, I'm getting ready to sit down here. I need you to teach me what I need to do this week with my kids, with my wife, with my family, with my business. I need you to teach me. I'm telling you in advance that I'm going to do what you want me to do, even when it doesn't make sense, even when I don't understand it. Lean on whose understanding? Your own? Even when I don't understand it. Even when I don't agree. Even when it isn't popular. Even when it isn't easy. I'm saying yes, even before you tell me what to do. Psalm 119 verse 33 and 34 says, Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Why? Because acting on it is the bottom line. And God's not going to give you step two until you act on step one. So if you're feeling stuck, maybe there's something that you haven't acted on yet. Maybe there's something God's been leading you to that you're just like, nope, not going there, not ready. You're not obeying. Let's, let's stand together. We're going to close. This brings us to, to this week's memory verse. So it's uh, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to do what we've been doing the last two weeks. We're going to recite it together. You guys ready? James 1, 22. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James what? 1.22. There you go. One more time. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 22. Thank you. I forgot to add the uh, end on there. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Good work. So that's this week's memory verse. Act on it. And make the, the, the premeditated choice before it even comes up. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. So as I mentioned earlier, if you have not received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior... In other words, if you're not born again and you'd like to take that step this morning, then you can pray along quietly in your heart along with me. You can borrow these words and say, Lord Jesus, today's the day. I'm stepping over that line. I'm walking into faith with you, faith in you. Lord, I want to be illuminated. I've got five physical senses, Lord, but they haven't really been getting me very far in life. There's a lot of pain, a lot of damage, a lot of anger, and I just feel stuck. So I'm asking you to come into my heart, into my life. I'm choosing to put my faith in you as Lord and Savior, I'm choosing to believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that now you forgive me and cleanse me of them, and I thank you for that. So that, God, now I can have spiritual senses, spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, and spiritual feelings to understand promptings and leadings from you, impressions. Thank you, Jesus. Enlighten me, enlighten my heart, enlighten my mind. Illuminate me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, pray for, uh, prayer for everybody here. Lord, help us to shed the junk and the pride that hold us back from experiencing illumination. Turn our worlds upside down and allow us to see things in a way we never could have imagined. Help us to walk away from things that are holding us back and dulling us. And we ask, Lord, that you enlighten us through your word as we sit down and read. Thank you that you offer us such rich things in life. Keep us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.